And here we go, Nord East Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with my brother Adam this week. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so here we go. We're going to start a weekly Purple Pride podcast or Triple D. Uh, <laughs> Triple P. <laughs> Triple P. I was, already, <laughs> I was already trying to set up my Guy Fieri Triple D joke, but I couldn't think of what town we were from. If he was from Flavortown. I don't know. That's how you guys know. We're the Triple D of podcasts. Yeah, Triple D of podcasts, but it's Triple P, Purple Pride podcast. We're going to be talking Minnesota Vikings each and every week of this season, hopefully until uh, February, and uh, hopefully for a Super Bowl run. So we're going to have this this week and every week, um, but this week uh, Jim and Ryan are unable to record the regular Nordies podcast. So our screencast and um, sportscast are on hold temporarily uh, until next week so we thought we'd still give you some con content with this new um show but as always you guys uh can you know give us a follow on twitter instagram and facebook at nordy's podcast also subscribe on podbean podcast app spotify you name it and get the nordy's podcast now the purple pride podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week all right so we are drinking uh, a beer here a local beer we're drinking the fest beer the German style party lager um, from uh, Fair State. And uh, it's like the first German style Oktoberfest beer that we're having in the season. What do you think of it? It's, I think it's delicious. It's getting a little cooler at night. It feels good to drink a beer like this finally. Yeah, it's got a cool little uh, like pretzel label too. So go check that one out. Always uh, support our friends over at Fair State. All right. So. Like I said, I'm Eric. I'm always on here, but Adam has been a, a guest a few times with us, um, but he's new to the gig here on the Purple Pride podcast. Um, so Adam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well, thanks. He's the biggest Vikings fan that I know, and also I said I would help promote his little side gig, um, which is a uh, rare uh, t-shirt company. Yeah, like a rare vintage shop, vintage t-shirt shop, 80s, 90s, early 2000s movie uh, music and kind of pop culture t-shirts so where can they follow you at you can follow me at la flame la flame vtg vintage on instagram la flame vintage yeah so go check it out um he just got started in this and he's got a bunch of cool stuff he actually gave me a really cool 98 randy moss shirt that i'll post for you guys um this week as well so if you're interested in getting some cool gear check that out all right so we're gonna start the Purple Pride podcast with our new game. It's called Tip the Scale. All right, so we're gonna play Tip the Scale. So we're gonna have two options for you guys. I'm gonna ask Eric some questions and he's gonna tip the scale one way or the other. The first tip the scale question, are you more concerned with first round draft pick Jeff Gladney um, or are you more excited with third round draft pick at cornerback Cam Dantzler? I am tipping the scale to excited about third round pick from where is he from Mississippi, Mississippi State. State Cam Dantzler. Um, this is a guy who I think is a really good athlete who did not test well at the combine. He is long and skinny, so he didn't lift very much, and he has a hard time putting on weight. He he rolls around at about 185 pounds. It sounds like maybe even less. So he was desperately trying to put on weight. I think that hurt his 40 time. I think he's much faster and plays much faster than that. 
Um, Jamar Chase, who most people thought of as the, the best receiver in college football last year, had his hardest time, one catch, six yards, against Cam Dantzler last year. And uh, he's really shown in um, the preseason in just the first few practices here. I am really excited about Cam yeah. Dantzler. I think, I think Cam Dantzler is probably your starting cornerback. Um, obviously, the Vikings are a little bit weak right now at cornerback with a couple key departures with Trey Waynes. Um, obviously, Xavier Rhodes out. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander out. So, a lot of pieces to fill. I'm going to tip the scale the same way. I'm excited about Cam Dantzler. I think Jeff Gladney, unfortunately, is a little bit longer of a project. Yeah, and I, I think as as we've seen with Zimmer, who's the D-back whisperer, that it is a little difficult to learn his scheme. They play a lot of outside in with their corners, which is not how a lot of guys do it when they are in college. And so I think it's going to take guys, young guys, a little more time, and that's okay. So right. I think you'll have Gladney rotate in. He can play inside and outside. And I think Dantzler hopefully will be able to give you some long uh, athleticism out on, on the outside to start the season. Right on. Number two, are you more concerned about the continued love and potential moving to right guard of Pat Elfline, or are you more excited about Ezra Cleveland and the fact he can play tackle, guard, move anywhere, left, right, doesn't matter? I am more concerned. I'm tipping the scale to concerned about Pat Elfline. It sounds as if Elfline has already won the right guard spot. That means in three years, I believe he's been here three years now, Elfline started at center his first year. He started at left guard his second year, and he's now moving to right guard. They believe this will help him because this is where he played in college. But excuse me, he hasn't played right guard since three years ago, four years ago. I mean, I think he played one year of center at Ohio State since then. Um, He is an okay player, and he probably would do well if he went to a team that already had a big bad center and some tackles where he could get out in space and move where he's actually good. But when you play him against a replica of himself in Garrett Bradbury, I think it's always going to be a problem. I'm tipping the scales uh, to concerned. I'm tipping the scales to continued concern again, like you made the point with Bradbury. The problem is, is the Vikings' interior line right now is getting bullied around, right? The problem is is the offense was geared towards this pulling guard offense. Everyone's rolling out, moving, and stuff like that. And the issue is is Elfline's getting bullied, and the this whole concept that he's right-handed and he's going to do what much better at right guard and stuff, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm hoping Ezra Cleveland steps in eventually and becomes a mauler and takes over that job. Yeah, and, you know, I think that Cleveland is going to be your swing tackle day one. I'm going to guess he doesn't start on the line day one, um, and that's okay because if you think about Brian O'Neill, he didn't start for really his first season there, and now we consider him, you know, one of the most underrated, better tackles in all of football. Question number three, are you more concerned with the departure of fan favorite Stephon Diggs, or are you more excited about the upside of Justin Jefferson? This one's hard. Um, I think I'm more concerned. I'm going to tip the scales to concerned about the departure of Stefan Diggs. Now, it's not that I don't like Justin Jefferson, but I just think that in year one, with no offseason really and no preseason really and so little time to get acclimated to the offense, I just think it's a task for Jefferson to step in and be an impact player for us at least for the first half of the season. And Diggs is already, you know, one of the premier receivers in the game. So as much as it helped our salary cap to 
um, get rid of him, and it was nice bringing in a, a nice young talent like Jefferson. Um, I think in the short term, I'm concerned about filling that void. Yeah, I agree. I think the uh, the thing is, besides the salary cap aspect of it, the Vikings really didn't gain anything besides the salary cap hit. You used your first-round pick there to go out and get Jefferson, where you already had a proven commodity with Diggs. Obviously, you know, a lot of fans felt that Diggs had kind of outworn his welcome here in Minnesota. But you always knew what you were going to get. Hopefully, we were going to have a healthy feeling back again, which we didn't have last season. Um, so, yeah, Jefferson has to come in. He has to be an impact player off the bat, and he has to kind of be the deep ball threat guy and kind of do everything right off the bat. And my, my problem with Jefferson is this, this is so unfair. But when I look at Jefferson, I'm sure he's a specimen. If you were to see him with his shirt off or something, I'm sure the guy's a monster. But to me, for some reason, how his legs are built, he looks unathletic to me. I don't know. I think I'm the only person who sees it. But, like, he looks slower when I watch him play. He's, like, making guys miss. He's cutting and stuff. And it all looks so uncoordinated to me that, I don't know, I just I have had a hard time getting excited about Jefferson. Now, the one thing I do like is it sounds like he is um, – going to be uh, another Stefan Diggs, a great route runner with great hands who can win contested balls, and that's exactly what Diggs is. So I do think Jefferson's future is bright, but I think it's going to take him a little while. All right, last but not least, we have, are you more concerned with the departure of Everson Griffin? Obviously a lot of chemistry between him and Hunter, a fan favorite here in Minnesota. Or are you more excited about the upside of Ofen- Odenabo? Sorry. Um, Ofendi Odenabo. I am tipping the scales with everything I have to excited about Odenabo, who um, Warren Sharp uh, has said in their model, they have him as the pro player most likely to take the leap to become a star yep. this year. Number one, um, that was Scout Sync on ESPN as well. Um I think that Adenabo is going to be an upgrade from day one, and he probably was an upgrade by the end of the season last year uh, on Everson. I think he is going to become one of the best players on that defense. I think that the combination of him and Hunter could be really fun for the next few years, and uh, I'm really excited. I I was never an Everson guy. Um, He was a nice player, but... Um, fans get so attached to guys, and he made the Pro Bowl last year undeservingly. And uh, it would have been nice to have him back in that, like, Brian Robinson, like, backup end interior pass rusher on mm-hmm. passing downs kind of guy. But, you know. Now the question is, what what cap space would you have brought back Everson and been happy with? I believe he just signed with Dallas for six mil. One yeah. year, six mil seemed like a lot to me. Three million would have been where I was probably comfortable going half of that. I'm sure the Vikings were in there somewhere around there. I, I, I'm good on losing right. him here. Yep. Um, but yep. Just to reiterate that point, Football Outsiders ranks Odenabo listed as the number one young breakout player in the NFL. So. Tipping the scales pretty hard on that last one there. And I think that they had another guy in that group as well. Number nine was someone. Um, Madison, I believe, was yeah. number nine yep, on the is. list. So, yeah, two Vikings players in their top ten for breakout players. Um, you know, Madison, when he has spelled um, Cook, it's like we almost didn't miss a right. beat at all. So, um, All right, so we're going to move into camp now. It started. It's not like any other year. We went to camp last year at TCO. 
And I mean, what a beautiful place DCO is. It was really fun to go watch that practice. Do you think the players are having a better time with few media members and no fans around? I think it's just it's it's a different it's a different scenario. You have to adjust quickly to everything they're kind of getting thrown at right now. I don't necessarily think that they miss like the forty-five-year-old guy trying to get their autograph when they're biking down the road and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's just different. We all have to adjust to it. Um, obviously the fans provide some energy and stuff like that, but if you've ever been to training camp, there's not a lot to see. Um, I'm fine with not being at training camp this year. It is what it is. I think the players probably feel the same. So I think that with no preseason games and only like inter-squad scrimmages, you're going to get a really rough start to the year. Yeah. It's a rough start to the year. Um, more veterans make the team probably more veterans make the team. The other thing is, uh, to be on the lookout for is soft tissue injuries. These guys aren't having any preseason action. They're going to have hardly any live time at practice. So staying healthy this year is going to be a challenge, and we all know with the Vikings' luck, we've been bitten by that quite a bit. So let's hope that our guys can stay healthy to start the year here and get off to a hot start. Yeah, and uh, there's some big-time camp battles. We already kind of touched on a few, but we'll go over some of the big spots that they're kind of uh, looking at right now. The first one is definitely wide receiver. So losing Stephon Diggs, you still have Adam Thielen, who you know is um, probably at worst the top twenty receiver in right. the NFL. I mean, he's a he's a definite number one quality guy. Um, they obviously bring in Justin Jefferson from LSU in the first round, um, but currently their number two receiver is uh, Ola B C Johnson who they really like, I know, um, oh gosh, who's the OC? Kubiak. Kubiak, loves him, wanted to draft him, loved him coming out of college. And BC Johnson at least showed himself in his rookie year to be a suitable professional wide receiver, but I don't know about number two wide receiver. No, he's not a number two. Um, also free agent acquisition, Tajay Sharp coming in from Tennessee. Uh, Chad Beebe still trying to make the team hang on there. Vikings uh, fifth round draft pick KJ Wright out of Miami trying to make KJ Osborne KJ Osborne sorry KJ Osborne um, he's got to make it as a special team yep yep return man I'm concerned about the position overall so it's an interesting camp battle there um, but overall general concern yeah so I think right now how they have it is your one is um, obviously Thielen your two is BC Johnson your three is one of B.B. Sharp and Jefferson. Yep. And I think uh, four of those five guys for sure on the team, maybe all five, depends how the other rookies look. Um, Osborne is a guy who, if he could show enough at receiver, could push one of those guys out. I think if one guy in that group doesn't make the team, it's going to be Sharp. Right. I think he's got to kind of find a role or he's going to be gone. Yep, agreed. Um, yeah, I'm really concerned about receiver. Um, the good thing is we're pretty solid at tight end. Obviously, have two really good tight ends with uh, Irv Smith, who looked really good as a rookie year. Kyle Rudolph, who's still one of the better ones in the game. You know, I think that we pick up some of the slack there, and then obviously your running back position is loaded. You see um, Mike Boone. Right. Mike Boone looks like uh, Daniel Hunter suddenly. Um, obviously, Madison was on that list of breakout players, and then Delvin Cook, who's there without a new contract, which is great to see, um, is one of the best running backs in the whole NFL. Right. And with the uh, lack of depth at receiver right now, I know something that me and you have been just preaching and banging on this team all last season is, you know, I I came into last year as kind of a Rudolph hater. I was a little sick and tired of Rudolph. 
uh, inability to block, can't break a tackle, yada, yada, yada. The guy makes plays and he scores touchdowns. Okay? He's great so in the red zone. I'm going to apologize to Kyle Rudolph on that. What I want to see more this season is Kyle Rudolph at tight end and also having Irv Smith on the field at the same time. Motioning him out into that slot, getting him up against linebackers. The dude is an absolute weapon downfield. We just never utilize him. I think that they saw that as the year went on and like his how he started getting involved in the offense in the red zone as the year went on and they started to trust him a little bit more. I think year two when he's not swimming in the playbook so much that he is going to be a serious weapon on this team. Uh, by the way, just real quickly, ESPN had over-under on uh, Irv Smith Jr., 550 yards receiving. I think it's going to be over because I think that I don't have a lot of faith in the receivers. Okay. What do you think? I think – I think if it isn't over, it's a positive for the squad. Oh, yeah. Um, next up, O-line. So the O-line, they interestingly enough, the Vikings in the past have had um, their O-line kind of drag to the beginning of the season. They never have enough guys. They never know what they want to do. So far, it sounds as if they have four of their guys are locked into starting positions already at the start of camp. That is left tackle Riley Reef. That is center Garrett Bradbury. That is right guard Pat Elfline. And that is right tackle Brian O'Neill. Already locked in as your starters, four of them. And they want to have the rest of the starters done, or the last starter by the end of the week. So that comes down to either um, current leader Dakota Dozier, who I'm not excited about, um, number two, but also rotating in Avanti Collins, who they've been trying to fit into that spot. For like three three years now, yep. and rookie, um, we drafted him as a tackle. Probably ends up as your left tackle of the future. Um, what's his name? Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Um, you know, you have those three guys kind of duking it out for that one spot. Drew Samia, a guy that we heard they really liked, is the number two guy at guard. And then you have Udo, um, the big huge right tackle, and Hill, the left tackle kind of fighting it out. One of those guys will maybe be your swing tackle this year. We'll see. So a lot of guys, um, a lot of veterans, a lot of names we've had for a while. I don't know if I'm excited about our line, but I think it will at least be okay. Yeah, I agree. It's manageable. Um, D-tackle. We thought we had this solved with bringing in Michael Pierce. He is opting out. He's the only Viking opting out, I believe. Only Viking opting out. Um, he was your big free agent signing, three years, $27 million, big nose tackle coming out of Baltimore. They really liked him. We tried to make a trade for Hill, um, who got cut by the Raiders. It fell through because of his medical. Um, and now they are pumping up uh, Shamar Steffen as their nose tackle, saying he's one of the best nose tackles in football, even though they just spent almost $10 million a year on bringing in a nose tackle. Um, that leaves your other spot, your three-tech, to... Uh, host of players. First up is uh, Armand Watts, who I believe was a seventh-round pick last year. He's kind of your favorite right now. Um, Jaleel Johnson, a few years ago, they took him in like the sixth round out of Iowa. He's near number two guy. Um, uh, Hercules Mataafa, who they like as like a pass-rushing interior guy. And uh, James Lynch, is that his name? James yep. Lynch out of uh, Central Florida? James Lynch South out Florida? of uh... South Florida? James Lynch is actually out of Baylor. Oh, Baylor, that's right. He's the uh, Big 12, Big 12 play, defensive player, player of the year. Uh, concern. A lot of concern on that, D, that interior <sighs> D-line right now. It seems to be quite possibly the weakest link of this team. I'm more worried about that than at corner. 
I, I am too. I think that most people are worried about corner, but last year we had poor cornerback play, and this year we invested a first and a third. You bring back Holton Hill again and another first-round pick in Mike Hughes, all who get to play with two of the best safeties in the game in Smith and Harris. Um, the D tackle spot sucked last year. Uh, when you played a team like the Niners or even the Packers or even the Bears, teams who just really wanted to grind you out, we got our asses kicked up the middle. Yep. And, you know, it puts a lot of strain on one of the best defensive players in the game, Eric Kendricks, and it uh, nullifies a lot of the good stuff that Adenabo and Hunter can do for you. And I think it's a serious problem. It is the reason I don't think that the Vikings can contend for the Super Bowl this year. Right, I agree. Um, obviously, this is the first year without a big, uh, what's his name? He just went to San Diego. Uh, Joseph. Linval yep, Linval, Joseph. Linval Joseph. Uh, great career with the Vikings here. His time had come. He was pretty washed up at the end there. But overall, agreeance, D-line, big problem. I think the Vikings know it. They're trying to bring someone else in right now desperately. We'll see what happens. This is a time where I would like to see a trade. Yeah, I agree. You have all these draft picks for next year. I'm willing to throw a second-day pick, a third-round pick or something, or you're going to get a compensatory pick. You thought you were getting a three, but now that Trey Waynes is out, it probably goes to a four. Give a third or a fourth knowing you have one coming in right. and go get a good player right. on a bad team. I mean, the, the, the thing with the Vikings is is we saw the same thing happen in 09. It's a small window in the NFL, right? The Vikings window, there's it's probably passed. I mean, 10-6 and six doesn't seem... Out of, the, out of the question right now, Vikings make the playoffs. How do we get to the Super Bowl? I think you trade. You bring in a, a pretty decent interior D lineman. It was my same issue with the 9 Vikings team. You have all these picks, and you keep guys like Terrell Johnson at safety. You go into New Orleans in the NFC Championship game, and it ends up costing you. Yeah. I'm all for trading my third or fourth round pick. Bring someone in. The window is small. And how many picks do we already have next year? 11 or 12? Yeah. Not including yep. compensatory yep. picks? They are stocked with draft picks. This is the place. I know everyone's worried about cornerback. I would make do with what you have at corner and let those young guys grow. Um, maybe you bring in a vet that gets cut here at some point. Um, but I think D-line is critical right now and i don't think we're Agreed. nearly good yep. enough in the in the middle and then finally corner which we've been talking about um we already kind of went through it you have holton hill looks to be um set in stone probably taking that xavier Rhodes spot yep. that was my guess um then on the other side you're gonna have mike hughes he'll move both inside and outside so in your base defense your 4-3 defense you're gonna have hughes and hill as your outside guys and then it will be between gladney and um dantzler I would guess a weekend that Dantzler is going to be your yeah. guy there. Um, but either of them, you know, you'll probably see both of them. You need rotating guys there. Um, I know that everyone's freaked out about corner. I'm not that freaked out about corner for some reason. They're going to get beat. They're going to struggle. We're, we're still going to have a good defense. It's important to have a good pass rush. We have great safety play. We have great coverage linebackers. We have everything in place for a system that can work with corners who are just not quite there. Right. And, you know, if you guys know anything about coverages, the Vikings in their back end there with Smith and Harris, those guys literally do everything. They're all over the field. They're just complete ball hawks. Behind the scenes, if you guys are watching uh, game film and stuff like that, they literally take so much pressure off those young corners. I'm concerned. It's definitely the second area of weakness on the team right now. Um, I think you'll see a lot of rotation and movement and stuff like that. But 
hey, this is Zimmer's thing, right? He's the he's the cornerback whisperer, so we'll see what he can do. I, yeah, I think it's on Zimmer here, and like I, I'm not so much concerned about the jumps that Dantzler and Gladney can make even during the season. I think they are what they are. They're going to be young corners who are swimming, who are going to get beat, who are going to flash and have some great plays. I think it's year three Mike Hughes and year three Holton Hill that this has been, you know, we've, we've seen so many times. Trey Waynes comes around year three. Xavier Rhodes comes around year three. Mackenzie Alexander comes around year three. These guys take some time to learn this Zimmer scheme, and I think it's time for Hill and Hughes to step up. And if Zimmer has coached these guys up and we have the right guys in place and whatnot, then this defense shouldn't take a big step back when it comes to that corner spot. So I am worried about it, but I I think that if corner is our biggest liability this year, we're still we're going to be a pretty damn good team. Right, agreed. Um, all right, so just going through it quickly um, with our rookies, you have Jefferson, who we've talked about. He was a first-round guy. You have Gladney, who we've talked about, first-round guy. Um, you have uh, Ezra Cleveland, who you know is probably going to rotate in, maybe gets to start at left guard at some point, or if uh, a tackle goes down, he's probably your guy. Um, and then Dantzler, your day three guy. Are there any draft picks beyond that who you think can make any impact for the Vikings at all this year? I think my my we just touched on him briefly before my favorite my favorite underdog on this team defensive tackle James Lynch out of Baylor he was the twenty fourth pick in the fourth round he is a undersized scrappy not flashy defensive tackle who apparently on tape um, he just makes plays he's 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 not flashy my uh, comparison with James Lynch not only in looks but also in play is Chris Hovan. <laughs> and Chris Hovan was solid for this team. He does look uh, like Chris Hovan. He's he's a little mini Chris Hovan. The guy's got a big motor on him. For this team to be successful, I think James Lynch breaks out and uh, does some good things for us. All right, yeah, it's definitely a position of need. Um, they added a bunch of guys on uh, that D-line. It's going to be interesting because uh, Jalen Holmes, is that his name? Yep. Uh, Third-round pick a few years back from Ohio State's moving to defensive end where he played in college after wasting his time at D-tackle for a few years. Um, you obviously drafted two guys, uh, the Michigan State kid, Will Willick, Willick, Wilkes or whatever. I can't think of it. I don't know his name. Um, and then you had the other guy who they compared to, yep. Daniel Hunter. Kenny Wilkes, um, the defensive end there. We also had um, Wanham from uh, – South Carolina. Yeah, so two, two guys want them. They kind of compared to Daniil Hunter. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, if any of these guys can kind of break in. And then we mentioned Osborne, the receiver from Miami. Um, you know, he might be the favorite to win the the job as the uh, kick returner, punt returner, extra receiver kind of guy. By the way, last but not least, let's just throw his name in there too. Also fifth-round cornerback Harrison Hand, who a lot of guys on tape loved. Another guy that didn't test well at the Combine. Uh, a sneaky pick to make the squad here at cornerback Harrison Hand. Probably has to beat out Chris Boyd, yep. who they love on special teams, which might be the one thing, but uh, who knows. Um, all right, so we're going to go through a couple things here, um, just kind of a season outlook. Um, there's no preseason, obviously, which sucks because I love to get that look at uh, the, the squad early on. Um, but we're going to hop right into the Viking schedule. Um, starting out at home, no fans. So how much of an advantage is there really going to be, um, you know, against the Green Bay Packers? Man, tough game. Uh, with no preseason, with all the COVID stuff that we're dealing with right now, 
Uh, obviously, when you play the Packers week one, you think about it, you're excited because that place would be rocking normally. You know, the most interesting thing we're going to see here in the NFL is how much does home field advantage actually matter now? It's not like the NHL where you get any advantage with shifts and stuff like that. It's just purely based on fans. Do you think that there's going to be some pumped in noise? Because I kind of hope there I is. I hope there is. Um, you know, if you're complaining about the fan noise and stuff in baseball right now, I haven't minded it at all. If anything, it helps me watch I, the game. I think I like it more. Yeah, I agree. I've watched a lot of sports. I've watched a lot of soccer, and they give you the option. If you watch the Premier League, to either watch it with fans or without. And at first, I was like, I'm going to watch it without. It's going to be great. And then it was like so, – the. The silence was so deafening that I was like needed to turn the fans on. Yep. I hope that they decide on like a volume level that the home team gets to play music and fan noise and they give a real advantage. Um, what would be really fair is if they took the average level of noise in the stadium and let different stadiums who have real home field advantages keep it. But I don't right. think they will. Um, Vikings are a great home team. It kind of sucks to lose that. Um, but yeah, they play the Packers to start the year, which is really exciting. Uh, uh, let's just let's just briefly fill people in here. If you guys don't know what kind of the plan is here with fans in the stadium, kind of what we've heard as season ticket holders and etc. Apparently, the plan right now no no fans the first two home games. That's kind of what everyone around the league is talking about. Um, if we do have fans, it's going to be limited to about ten thousand fans in the stadium. That doesn't really do much, if anything, for a home field advantage. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. We're going to the games. If we get tickets, we're going to get three games. We're going. It's going to be the strangest thing ever. I'm going to be there. Um, (laughs) Mask on. uh, Skull chanting away. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really awkward, but, you know, having football back is exactly what we needed. So they start the year against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Then they travel to Indianapolis to play Phillip Rivers and the Colts. Does this game worry you? It doesn't worry me at all. I can't... Philip Rivers against the Vikings is just like, it's like Halloween night being a little kid. <laughs> just treat after treat after treat. We we went to the game last year in yeah. in uh, L. A. Yeah, and when, he's just so disinterested and checked out. And and the thing is is that um I think he probably feasts on teams that struggle on the back end, and we have two of the best you know deep ball safeties in the league. Yeah, and so I think it kind of takes away what he really likes to do, which is sling the ball down the field. Yep. Um. I don't. I'm not worried about that game no, for some reason. I'm excited for that game. Uh, then they play against the uh, Tennessee Titans. They made it all the way to the AFC Championship game last year. Um, is there a team more likely to fall out of the playoffs <laughs> than the Tennessee Titans? Uh, yeah, Titans at home, week three, no fans. It's a win. I'm I, excited for that my, game. My big worry about that game, though, is just um, Shamar Stefan and Hercules Mata'afa and Jaleel Johnson and James Lynch and etc. Armand Watts versus... Derrick Henry. Right. About 20 draw plays to Derrick Henry in that game, <laughs> and we all kind of see where that's going. So, yeah, I think that one's a low-scoring game. Vikings win. I still can't stand uh, Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah. yeah. Pass. All right. Uh, then they go to Houston to play the Texans, which is tough, obviously. Um, Texans get rid of uh, Hopkins, which is nice that we don't have to go against him, but it's never easy to play against Deshaun Watson. Um, then we play, uh, to make things easier, then we have uh, away game for like the 12th year in a row at Seattle to play against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Last year, I kind of felt like we were a very similar team in ability to the Seahawks. I thought wherever whoever was the home team was going to win, we played them there in a good game. Um, and then we uh, play against at home against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Um, are the Falcons going to be good this year? 
No. Okay. I'm off the Falcons bandwagon. By the way, that Seahawks game also, of course, is, I believe, Monday Night Football. Okay. Um, then they play uh, Packers again for the second time, which is crazy considering they haven't played another division yep. game yet. And this will be interesting note on Vikings at Packers on the 1st of November. It's the first game. It's the first home game, of course, for the Packers with fans. Yeah, so they literally planned that out. Packers, uh, Vikings at Packers last year. Um, wait, two years ago was a tie. Last year we lost both games of the Packers. Yep. Um, then we play, finally we play the Lions uh, first week, uh, second game in, in November at home. Then we go to the Bears. Um, is that on? Uh, Sunday night, I believe, or Thursday. I don't know. It's an, it's some kind of primetime game. I think that's the Monday night game against the Bears. Um, then they play against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this schedule is pretty tough with yeah. the quarterbacks. Fun um, schedule, though. Cowboys at Vikings, that's a 325. You get uh, Vikings playing against their former quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, and the Panthers. Um, we get to play the crappy Jaguar team, who most people think is the worst team in the league. I'm really excited to go to Tampa and play against the most overrated team in the NFL, a team that's starting over with a 43-year-old quarterback with no offseason and a tight end that hasn't played football in over a year and was a champion in WWE um, and, and the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then uh, the last couple games of the year, we're home to the Bears. We're at... The Saints Oof. on Christmas Day. Oof. That is the game I'm the most excited about of the whole year. Um, if there's one team that is really good every year, and for some reason we have their number, it is the Saints. Yep. And uh, Drew Brees suffers against Mike Zimmer. And then finally we end the year at Detroit. So two games to end the year on the road. Who knows if they mean anything. Um so before we hop into kind of our predictions on this, um, what are a few of the strengths? on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to start with uh, Zimmer and the coaching staff. I apologized a couple weeks ago on the pod about my take that Zimmer should be gone. The more I look at it, the more I realize that Zimmer is really a good coach. Um, he hasn't gotten over the hump to go really deep into the playoffs, but he has been, since he's been there, they have one of the best records in the whole entire NFL. They are consistently contending for the NFC North. They are never bad um, I think Zimmer and the coaching staff is a real strength. Yeah, um, on the coaching staff front, we get our full, our first full year of Gary Kubiak, um, minus Kevin Stefanski leaving to go be the head coach at Cleveland. It'll be interesting to see uh, the Kubiak offense in full force. Is it more boring? I don't know. Maybe. I think it, <laughs> I think it's gonna. Be, <laughs> I think it's gonna be like a dated look at. Yeah, the the it's, it's like that Stefanski. old like 2010 Broncos offense, which worked because I just know, know that, that that we're gonna be able to run the ball well. <laughs> we're gonna have a great zone running scheme, and I do believe in another one of my strengths, Kirk Cousins. Right. Um, we haven't said Kirk's name really this whole time, which is crazy. Um, he's very polarizing in the football world, and I'm always a little offended that all the experts think that Kirk is like. They all just assume he's like the 17th best quarterback who's very overpaid. Right. When in reality, he's like the eighth best quarterback who's like the ninth highest paid quarterback. Yeah. He's perfectly paid for what he is. He's one of the better quarterbacks. Um, there's a huge gap between like Mahomes and Jackson and Wilson and him, but there is no gap between him, Matt Ryan, um, Stafford, Stafford, Rogers, all those guys. Rogers, like all of those guys, they're yep. all kind of the same quality, and Cousins is firmly in that group. I think Cousins is a major strength of this team. And I 
wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that Cousins is an MVP candidate. If you look at a Viking season where everything goes well, and there is, there's one in here where things go well, they get off to a great start, their defense looks good, these young corners look good, they get a good enough play on the D-line, the pass rush is great, Cook is, you know, McCaffrey level, and, you know, Thielen's healthy. Cousins is like a dark horse MVP guy if that kind of thing happens. Yeah. So I think Cousins is a massive strength of this team. I agree. The Cousins hate, obviously, is, to me, is the wackest thing. It's always been the wackest thing. By the way, for our listeners, have you guys noticed the people in life who are the biggest anti-mask, blah, 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 Pizzagate, are also the biggest Kirk Cousins haters? It's weird, man. It is it's weird. weird. They're like bots on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some good news for our podcast. Um, the guy I've been talking about, Dustin Baker, he's on Twitter at, at Dust Baker. He's like a Vikings nerd, and I just love this guy on Twitter. He's coming on our podcast next week, actually, to talk some Vikings, which is going to be really exciting. Um, he is always defending Cousins, and his stats show that Cousins is, one, a great deep threat, like the best in the league. Two, he never checks the ball down, even though our fans complain anytime he checks the ball down. And three, he's a clutch quarterback who is fantastic at the end of games in one-score games. Um, Cousins is everything that we need on this team right now. I'll never try to tell you he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league, but he is the, he's good enough to win a Super Bowl with if the rest of the team is good. Agreed. Can't wait to see Delvin Cook this year. Yeah, Can't this is his year. wait. He'll never have a better year than this season. This guy, if he can be healthy for 16 games, is going to be, are you ready for this, the best running back in the NFL. Wow. Delvin Cook is an absolute monster. If you've seen the guy lately, it looks like he put on about eight pounds of muscle that was, I don't even know where he could fit it. He always seemed like a little guy to me, and now he seems like Elliot kind of guy. Right. He's and, a freak. And and to go with Delvin, the strength of this team, let's be honest, the strength of this football team, top to bottom, is a run game. You're going to throw Madison in in the mix, too. Madison is an absolute tank. Um, Mike Boone putting on all that size. This run game is going to be dominant. It plays to the strengths of Gary Kubiak. Two good tight ends. Oh, and what does that do? It opens up the play-action pass game for Kirk, which we know he loves. Yep, Cousins and I believe Cousins and Wilson were the two best quarterbacks in the NFL last year out of play-action. So, um, I think that tight end is going to be a really fun strength of this team. Um, Rudolph, maybe his last year of the team, but still uh, there's good football in him. I think Irv is going to be a major weapon for us this year. Um, switching to the defense, I am in love with this pass rush. Anyone who listens to the Nordies podcast knows I am obsessed with Daniel Hunter. I think he's the most underrated player in the whole league. The youngest player in the history of the NFL, the 50 sacks. He is an absolute freak and now putting a Denebo who is going to take the leap this year. That pass rush is going to be vicious. Um, the linebackers, especially in coverage, um, Kendricks was one of the two or three best linebackers in football last year. Um, Barr is massively overpaid and overrated, but he's still a pretty decent player. And then the safeties on the back end, like we said, Smith and Harris are unbelievably good players. Yep. Anything I missed? No. Colquitt. <laughs> Colquitt, Bailey. Yeah, we'll deal with that when it happens. Um, all right, so some weaknesses. Um, what are your biggest worries about this team? I think we talked about it already. It's 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 beating the dead horse on the offensive line. Uh, 
If 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 I'll go ahead and rank them first, I'll have you rank them second. Okay. I'm gonna go interior D line one, corner two, O line three, wide receiver four. I'm gonna go interior D line one, massive gap. Interior O line two, um, corner three, receiver four. Um, and I don't think we're partic- particularly good at any of those spots. No. Um, but I think we're bad on the interior of the D-line. Like, I think we're like, if I had to rank them as a position group without looking at all the other teams, I would rank the Vikings right now like 30 out of 32. And I kind of can't believe there would be a team who had worse guys than we do. Right. Um, all right, so without looking at the schedule and going through all the games, just off the top of your head right now, um, where do you see the Vikings? Um, their their current odds are eight, or eight, eight and five, or I'm sorry, eight and a half wins. Is their current odds? Do you think they get to eight and a half? Forty or ten? I think I think they do. I'm gonna pencil them in at ten and six. Um, the coaching staff is too good. There's still too many weapons on this team. Are they over the hill and out of the window? Probably, but I think this is their final year to kind of show us something. Hopefully, it's uh we're on the Kirk Cousins revenge tour. Ten and six gets us into the playoffs. We'll take it and go from there. I like the Vikings to be 10 and 6 as well. And I like them to be the four seed in the NFC. Okay. Um, I think your one seed, not surprisingly, is going to be the 49ers. I think your two seed is going to be the Saints. I think your three seed is going to be the uh, Eagles. I think the four is the Vikings, who will host the five-seed Seahawks. I think the Eagles will host the Cowboys. And I think, oh man, this one's hard. I think a team like maybe the Cardinals um, sneaks into the playoff as like your seven seed. I don't like the Packers this year. No, Packers are down. Love to see it. Obviously, Bears were a little bit of a concern for us the past two years. Bears are toast. Um, all right, so quickly here, um, we're going to go through some fantasy outlook. We know your fantasy drafts are coming up here. We're going to go position by position real quickly on who to draft and who to avoid on the Vikings. Let's start at quarterback. Kirk Cousins, is he worthy of being drafted in fantasy football? If so, um, where do you see him going? I think I'm, I'm personally going to speak on Kirk as a backup role on my quarterback. There's too many question marks about at the receiver position. We touched on Kubiak as the O.C., I think there's less of a deep pass game. It's more of a West Coast slant, hitch, all that kind of fun stuff. I'm going to put Kirk as a backup quarterback on my fantasy roster. Love Kirk. Um, Would be happy to have him on my fantasy team, like you said, as a backup. I think Kirk is going to have his best year as a quarterback, but his worst year as a fantasy quarterback this year. And that's okay. If we're running the shit out of the ball and he's just hitting, you know, passes, yep. 70% completion percentage, you know, he's going to look like old Drew Brees. He can do it double as well as Ryan Tannehill, and look what that team was able to accomplish. Yeah, so I, I, I think he is a late, late, late round pick on your team. How about running back and Delvin Cook? He's obviously a top five pick, top three pick in the in the draft, in my opinion. I always sleep on Delvin. I don't know why in fantasy football, and uh, he's the man now. I think that if I had the number one pick, I would probably still take McCaffrey 
And if I had the number two pick, I might take Dalvin Cook at number two. I think he is a safer bet with health than Barkley, which is stunning to say because Dalvin Cook is not a safe bet with health. I think he has more in the tank than Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's just going to touch the ball, especially in the red zone, more than Alvin Kamara. And I think that... Uh, who's the other guy I'm definitely missing? Um... I don't know, whatever. I just think Cook is way up there. He's a top three guy, in my opinion, in fantasy. If you have a high pick, go get a Viking. Go get Delvin Cook. Get uh, Delvin Cook and plan on handcuffing Madison to that pick. Madison and Cook, if you have those two guys on your team, I think you're in luck. All right, one of the positions everyone wants to hear about, wide receiver, where would you take Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen, to me, at this point in his career, is probably a five, six, seven kind of guy. He's on the downslope. He's old. I always forget that about Thielen. He's old. Yeah, he's like 28 or 29 now. 30? He's older, dude. I think he's 31 or 32. No way. Yeah, let's confirm this, guys. Okay. So <laughs> I think that my only thing with, with Thielen is just that his health. You know, I yeah. think last year, um, he's 29, but he's he turns um, 30 on the weekend, okay. this weekend. So he's about to be 30. Um, yeah, so Thielen is, yeah, he's getting up there. He was injured all last year. More pressure. Without Diggs, I think I I think I'd avoid Adam Thielen. Yeah, I I'm, I'm on the same boat. On that I think one. I'd avoid Adam Thielen in your Minnesota draft if you're drafting with a bunch of people who aren't from Minnesota. Go ahead and get him. But I think in Minnesota you have to realize that the Vikings always go like a round too high, mm-hmm. and I think Adam Thielen's going to go too high. Agreed. Um, BC Johnson is he draftable? Not touching him. Uh, what about uh, Jefferson? Justin Jefferson. Jefferson to me is maybe a flyer. At this point, in he's a football. late round pick. Yeah, he's like, a late round. Flyer. He's like fill out your bench with him. To me, um, people are all gonna draft him because yep. he was a first round pick and he's a Viking. Shout out to Bubba. We know you're drafting him right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, tight end. Um, would you touch either Smith or Rudolph? I'm hammering Irv Smith, and so are the fantasy experts right now. Yeah, I, I love Irv this year. Um, I think that Irv might be too rich for my blood in fantasy football because I think, especially in our Minnesota drafts, people are going to be jumping all over that. I think he's going to go um, way higher than people are even projecting right now, some of the experts in a lot of drafts. So Irv might be rich for your blood, but he also could be the weapon we're missing. He might be the Diggs replacement this year. Um, Rudolph? Late round flyer. All right, then uh, how about uh, everyone knows Dan Bailey's going to go quick in your fantasy drafts. Um, don't be that guy who's the first to draft a kicker. Uh, and then Vikings defense, are they worthy of being on your fantasy team this year? I'm going to say to start, I'm going to pass. I think I'm passing as well. Pass rush is good. They're not going to create enough turnovers in Zimmer's scheme or with their corners. I think I pass on the Vikings defense yep. for the first time in a long time. Yep, agreed. All right, finally, we're going to end our first ever Triple P podcast Purple pride. <laughs> um, with our favorite games off the top of our heads. All right, this is hard because it's hard to remember old games. So what are a few of your favorite? Now, are these in person or on TV? I vote, vote in either. person. I vote in person for today's segment. Okay, okay. okay. Only in person? Yeah. Okay, so only games we've been to in person that we loved. Um, okay, so the first one we have to talk about is uh, the Vikings with Brett Favre against the San Francisco 49ers in the Dome late uh, dome time here. Yeah, week three, 2009 season, early far Vikings. Early far Vikings. Vikings 
stink it up all game long, and they come storming back in the game. On the last drive, it looks like all hope is lost. And then Greg Lewis catches one of the great catches in Vikings history, getting his toes in in the back of the end zone after Favre scrambles around and does his normal Brett Favre thing. Caught a little of that Brett Favre magic before. You know, this is post-dick pick Brett Favre. Yeah, too. Yep. Like, we learned that day that he still had it in him. Um, that was probably my favorite one I've been at. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Place was clearing out. Place was clearing out, yeah. Me and Eric agreed. We said, hey, touchdown on this play. We're hugging it out. Yeah. We're going wild. <laughs> Favre drops back. Pump fakes. Rolls right. Greg Lewis back at the end zone. <laughs> touchdown. Place went absolutely bananas. Yep. Maybe the second best crowd reaction we've ever been a part of. For sure. Yeah, that was great. Um, okay, another one in person um, that I loved was a playoff game we went to. It was the Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys. All right, this Tony Romo, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, that was such a blast. Same season. Same season. Yep, yep. Um, Favre and the Vikings absolutely murdered. Demolished a red-hot Cowboys team. Red-hot Cowboys. People all picking the Cowboys against the Vikings. 34-3. to We yep. sacked... Romo, God, that was so much countless fun. times. Um, one of the easiest, most relaxing big games I've ever watched in sports in my life as the Vikings were on cruise control the whole entire way. Right. We'll get into this another week, guys. We've been to so many heartbreaking games in our lives. Um, but that 09 season was full. Of, my my next one is, it was you were not at this one, but Vikings at home week four versus the Packers. Uh, Favre's first time playing the Packers again on Monday Night Football, absolutely electric. What was the final? You know, or what was the what was the game uh, like? It was a it was a closer game. Um, Favre got hot at the end. Favre was hot all game on Monday Night Football. I want to say it was like thirty one to twenty four, something like that. Thirty twenty four, tight game. Young Aaron Rodgers place was going nuts. All right, uh, another one that we went to that was really fun was the opening of U.S. Bank Stadium, and it was the Vikings against the Packers and both teams were really good um who was our quarterback even Keenum wasn't it no Bradford obviously Bradford Bradford Bradford. Bradford. so yeah we played week one to open or week two I think it was yep it was week two week two to open up U.S. Bank Stadium against um the Packers and the Packers were a big time team um the place was electric yeah like, it was so exciting to be there. The place is beautiful, obviously. And you had um, a game where it came down to the wire. I think the Vikings scored late to take the lead. And then you had a huge, uh, was it Trey Waynes? Trey Waynes on the interception. Got a pick. On Adams. Uh, yeah, right on Adams to, to steal the game at the end for us, which was really exciting. And then, obviously, the greatest one we've ever been to, Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah. It's, um, it's a life-changing moment for me. Minneapolis Miracle, greatest sporting event I've ever been to. Um, just so you guys know, I think I told you guys this on the podcast before. I was so upset at the Minneapolis Miracle that I stress ate a, a euro. <laughs> <laughs> I stress ate a euro. Like, I was so stressed at halftime. We were kicking their ass at halftime. Yep. I was so stressed that I went to the food court and I got a you, euro. You intentionally gave yourself a stomach ache to offset how stressed you were. To offset how upset I was. I think that the meat wasn't all the way cooked because <laughs> I got home and I was so sick that I lost 10 pounds in like three days from being sick from this Vikings game. But it was so exciting. The Minneapolis Miracle, one of the great finishes in all of sports history. 
Um, Adam about beat up a couple Saints fans yep, over this, this game. This is true. And I will tell you that the only reason that we won this game, all right, the only reason that we won this game is because before the game, Adam here gave me a gift of a pair of Harrison Smith game worn gloves. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> This is a new story to me. He said, I could only have the game worn gloves if every time we did the skull chant, I put them on. <laughs> So, oh my goodness, so, that's so funny. So every time we did the skull chant, I had to wear these <laughs> athletic football gloves. I was that guy at the game, like the grown man wearing fucking football gloves at the game. And I wore these and did the skull chant to the very fucking bitter end. And we escaped with one of the great wins in yeah. NFL history. Yeah, I was fight-faced at the end. I had my coat on. I was so It was so cold that night. I was so upset. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right, guys, that is all the time we have this week on uh, Triple P, Purple Pride podcast here on the Nordies podcast. Like I said, the Nordies podcast will be back uh, in full next week when Jim and Ryan are ready to go. Um, but yeah, until then, thank you guys for tuning in this week. And uh, we'll be back. We're going to do this all, all season long. So if you have any questions or any things that you'd like to hear us talk about or anything you have, uh, that you're curious about the Vikings in their season, let us know. Hopefully it'll be a good one. Hopefully it will be a deep playoff run. But until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Nordies Podcast.